Hello, and welcome to Still No Plan. I'm Jordan Granger. And I'm Autumn Webb, and we are so happy you're here. Well, hello, Chelsea. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us again on Still No Plan. We're super excited. Hi, thank you to ha- for having me. I'm so excited to be here. We have been like looking forward to this conversation for a very long time and then also dealing with technical difficulties all week. So we had to postpone. So like the anticipation was building and building. Um, so I'm so excited to finally be here. But if you want to kind of kick us off and just let us know like how you got to where you are now and specifically in your career, like what you've been up to the last few years that landed you here. Yeah, for sure. So um, my career is kind of a long path. It's been a long way around, but I've realized that every little step on the way here was important in hindsight. So um, obviously this episode, we're probably going to be talking about ADHD a little bit, and that's a big part of um, my career path as well. So when I first started college, this was like 10 years ago. Uh, Well, I started college when I was 17. I'm like 31. Um, I started college and I ended up failing out of college. Uh, I was in school for pre-law and thought I wanted to be a lawyer. And um, I didn't know I had ADHD at the time. And I just thought I needed to try harder. I think a lot of people who are diagnosed later in life had that experience. Um, but long story short, I in the meantime, I ended up going back to college and getting a degree in early childhood education. And so it took me like seven years to get a degree. And if I'm being honest, I felt like that was something achievable. I was like, okay, this is something I can actually do, you know, and that's kind of why I did it in some reasons. You know, I also really enjoyed education and I was a kindergarten teacher for five years and I really enjoyed that career and I enjoy teaching a lot. I love teaching, but I realized the classroom was not my favorite place to teach. It's it's a very emotionally, uh, physically, mentally kind of overwhelming situation to be in a class with 35-year-olds, right? <laughs> and um, it just wasn't suited for me. I came home just drained every single day, not one ounce of energy left in me. And so even though I loved it, I was like, I don't think I can keep this up. It's just not sustainable for me to do for the rest of my life. So I started just as I was teaching, looking for other options and came across health coaching. Um, And I was like, what is this? This is really interesting. I had always been really interested in nutrition and wellness, almost to a little bit of a disordered degree when I was younger. Um, And so I was like, ooh, this looks cool. Maybe this could help me. You know, secretly, I was thinking this could help me. (laughs) And so I did that while I was teaching. I got my certification to be a health coach. And uh, I was doing that for about a year and a half. And then I was diagnosed with ADHD uh, when I was 30. So that kind of put a lot of pieces together for me that uh, things that I were was teaching my clients or things that my clients were struggling with over and over and over again come to find out. I don't know. It's like ADHDers are like drawn to one another, but a lot of my past clients ended up either getting diagnosed with ADHD or they had ADHD and I didn't really know it. Um, but I was noticing these patterns. And so I kind of started diving in on what are the impacts of ADHD on our habits? And 
how does this all fit together? And is there specific things that people with ADHD can do to help them with their wellness versus a lot of times we just hear, well, you just got to want it. You got to be more disciplined. And so, yeah, it's like I said, it was just kind of piece by piece. It came together and that's kind of how I got here now. (laughs) And how did you... When did you start to think like, oh, maybe I have ADHD? Like the diagnosis process, especially for ADHD, is like a confusing one, especially in women. Because I know a lot of the studies out there are mostly done on men. And I think it presents differently in women and men. And especially like if – I feel like if you're past the age of 15, people don't expect to get diagnosed with ADHD. Like you you think you're going to find out younger in life. So what was your like diagnosis journey? Did that take a while? How did you come to figure that out? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was, it was a very strange situation. Um, A piece of it is that I did for a long time, I knew something wasn't quite right. Um, Especially, I I don't know. I just knew something was not quite right. And actually when I was 20, like in my early twenties, I think 23 or 24, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And I was like, uh, I was like, for at first, it felt like this is the answer, right? Like, this is the answer. Okay, this makes sense. And then after a while of sitting with that diagnosis, I was like, wait, this actually doesn't make sense at all. And I'm not giving medical advice. This is not what people should do. But I kind of just stopped taking the medication. I kind of was just like, I'm not going to go to the psychiatrist anymore. I don't know. I'll figure it out later. You know, typical, honestly, ADHD fashion. I was like, we're just going to put this off forever and kind of, you know, forgot about it and was just like, whatever, moving on. Um, And how I ended up getting diagnosed with ADHD was I was actually talking to a friend and she mentioned to me, it's kind of funny. She had mentioned to me um, something about, well, you have ADHD, so you know. And I was like, wait, what? What what do you mean? And she was like, I didn't mean that in an offensive way at all. I hope you didn't take, she has ADHD. And so she was like, I really didn't mean that offensively. I hope you didn't take that the wrong way. And I was like, well, no, but what do you mean? Because at that point I had started entrepreneurship and I was really struggling to do what I'm doing right now, sitting down at a desk and actually zoning in on something and focusing on it. What is like, it's still really difficult for me. Um, But I realized that every career I'd have up until then, like uh, teaching. And then prior to that, I forgot to mention, I worked at Disney World for four years. Um, it was all up and moving and going and going and going. And like, you know, five-year-olds think about it. You bounce from thing to thing to thing. And like, I'm right there with them. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to talk about this for an hour. Let's move on, you know? <laughs> and so I just, after she had mentioned that, um, and by the way, she the, she said the reason she thought I had ADHD was because I interrupt a lot. And I was like, well, I didn't even realize I do that. Oops. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> and so I started looking into what does ADHD look like in women? And I found some lists and I immediately sent them to my husband. And I was like, who does this remind you of? And he was like, those all sound exactly like you. There's not one thing on that list that isn't you. And I was like, that's what I thought. And so it was like just a big revelation. So that's lots really... of pieces put together in hindsight though. Yeah, that's really interesting because I think, and don't quote me on this, but I think bipolar disorder and ADHD are both dopamine related things. So it's kind of interesting that like it was mistaken for that in the beginning. Um, 
But on that same kind of vein, I I also have ADHD and I was diagnosed when I was young. And it, it was definitely a journey to figure out the right medication path for me. And honestly, I'm still on it because like what I needed in high school is different than what I need now. Um, so I'd love for you to talk a little bit about your medication journey um, and like how it like at a process level of like what was the process of getting on medication for it? And then also like, how was it for you? Did you have to try a bunch of different ones and just kind of how that went? Yeah. So, I mean, when I was first diagnosed, it was really a huge struggle to decide if I wanted to take medication at all, just because honestly, the only things I knew about it was like people taking Adderall in college and like people taking Adderall to lose weight. And also just, it's like very stigmatized, you know, it's like, you think of that and then you also think like, I don't know, a lot of mental health situations, people think that you can just try your way out of it, right? And I was just like, well, maybe I can just try, you know? And I I was just, I don't know. I had a lot of like maybe fear and shame for needing something to help me. Um, But in the end, I decided that I'm going to try it. And if it ends up, if it ends up, harming more areas of my life than it's helping. So like if I can sit down and focus, but it's totally deteriorated my physical health and my mental health, like the things that I'd heard, I was like, then I'll stop. But there's no harm in trying it, right? Um, Which honestly, I was scared though, because people talk about addiction too, which I've heard doesn't happen with people with ADHD, but that's not my area of expertise. But so I tried medication when I first got diagnosed and the diagnosis process was long and grueling and difficult, but after that, it was pretty easy. Um, I just went to my primary care doctor and she was able to prescribe me um, my medication. And I tried, I got lucky. The first medication I tried worked really well for me. And for anyone who is like thinking about medication, I think the key is to start with the, and most doctors will do this anyways, but start with the minimum effective dose. So start really, 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 really low, lower than you think you'll need. And maybe you might need to crawl up. But a lot of times I think people who are having issues are, and actually, I again, I don't know for sure, because I can only speak on my experience. But I think a lot of people who are having issues are starting really high, you know, they're dosed really high, or maybe moving up their dose. And again, I don't, I don't know the situation. And I also know it doesn't work for everybody, but I got lucky. The first medication that I tried really worked for me. Um, It's called Edzenis. I don't know if you're curious to name or if you've heard of it, but then they ended up, my insurance doesn't cover that anymore. So now I'm on a different medication and this one also works for me really well. So And so with the medication with Adderall, I know Adderall, people use that a lot in college, not only like a study drug, but like a party drug instead of using like other uppers. Is it true that when you take, when you take your medication, it's not, my friend told me this. She was like, I think I need this medication because when I took it, it makes me feel like things are processing properly instead of like, you know, some people take Adderall and it's like an upper, like you're chatty, you want to talk, you want to party, you're like, go, go, go. But for someone that has ADHD, it doesn't feel like that. It might just feel like, oh, like I feel like I can go to the gym right now and I feel like I can focus on this test right now. And it's not like a, oh my God, let's talk online. Let's talk for hours. Like, is there a difference in people who have ADHD that impacts them just normal or does it still feel like that? Just depends on the dose. Yeah. I, 
I mean, of course, I don't know what it how it affects other people, but for me, it really does calm me down so much. It's like instead of 500 thoughts going through my brain at one time, there's one thought going through my brain at a time and I can process, yeah, I can process things properly and finish things, you know, like short, small tasks. I can finish them without hopping from thing to thing to thing. And it's actually, it's kind of funny when my medicine wears off at the end of the day is when I do find myself more chatty and more like, you know, excitable. And I'm much more calm when I'm on my medication, I've noticed. This is stupid. It's comforting to hear because I see on TikTok all these women talking about like, well, ADHD looks different and here are the symptoms. And then it freaks me out that I'm like, maybe I have it, maybe I have it. But then whenever I have taken Adderall, it makes me like crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to stay up till 8am talking to you about whatever. And so, but everyone that I know that has ADHD tells me it's calming for them. So that's a little comforting for my little hypochondriac self. (laughs) Um, Something that I saw on your TikTok, like a few weeks ago, that has honestly really helped me in the last few weeks. You talk about the difference of wellness for hobby versus wellness for function. And I'm someone who wellness is a hobby for me, but I think I started to take it too far because I was like, oh, in order to be healthy, I need to do all of these things. I need to have my bone broth, my elixir in the morning, my water, my this. I need to eat a certain way and work out every day and go for a walk and not be on my phone for more than 20 minutes. Like I I felt like wellness had to be every single thing that was like that you hear anywhere. And, um, do you feel like wellness culture is going too far and how do you identify, like, these are my baseline needs. Like this is all I need in order for me to be a healthy, happy human. The rest is optimal, but here is my baseline. Like, how do we get that? Oh, yes. This is, uh, I love talking about this stuff. I'm also a wellness hobbyist. And I think for people like us, it can be even harder to, it can get so overwhelming because, you know, Yes, we want to try all these new things, right? Like I saw somebody eating sea moss today on TikTok and I'm like, what's that for? You know, but you could spend just all of your money and all of your time doing wellness things if you want to. Um, but because we are have so many people available to watch now, we do feel like that's what we need to do. And how I judge it is like, if it's making you feel, to me, I also have a different definition of wellness than I think a lot of people do. To me, wellness is feeling and experiencing as many positive emotions as I can while I'm here on this planet. Like that's it. It's not purely looks focused, but your health, your physical health, like drinking, you do have to drink water and not die of dehydration to feel positive emotions, you know, like, like there are some health, um, some physical pieces to it, but it's also a lot about the mental, emotional side. Um, And so how I kind of keep it simple is I realize that there are, um, I call it the core six, like six core wellness habits. And I look at them like big buckets. So like there's my six buckets of wellness. And so the six are balanced nutrition, which is eating like protein, fiber, fat, you know, like a balanced meal. So, um, and also including foods that you really enjoy and what you eat, but not being perfectionist with it. Uh, plentiful produce. So just eating fruits and vegetables, hydration, joyful movement, guilt-free rest and play. And 
So it's kind of like picking from those buckets within what you want to do, you know? So it's like, if you feel like meditating one day and you're inspired to meditate, well, that might be your guilt-free rest for the day, right? If you are feeling, or maybe your guilt-free rest is literally just laying on the couch and watching TikTok, right? But you're still giving yourself a moment to breathe. And that's important. And a lot of times, you know, it's like we are looking at the way people are doing things and thinking that's exactly what we need to do, right? Like we got to have the green juice for breakfast and the uh, the meditation and the, the hot girl walk and all that. And it's like, you can kind of just pick from each bucket and you don't have to do every single one every day. But if you are semi-regularly incorporating those things in your life, you're going to like start feeling more positive emotions if that's not a part of your life now. And you're going to kind of start spiraling upwards and the key is just finding a way to do it that you're not feeling guilty for all the things that you're not doing. Because I think that's where a lot of us end up if we're on the wellness side of TikTok or uh, Instagram or wherever. Yeah, there's so much information out there that it can be so suffocating because it's almost like you don't even know where to start. And like, even with like diet alone, there's like a million things that everyone preaches the best way to feed your body. And it's like, I think eating balance, like you can tell when you're doing well versus when you're not doing well and like what things make you feel better and what things don't. Um, So how have you like, since your diagnosis changed the way you approach things like a daily routine or building habits, Um, kind of like the minute details, like things you have to get through that you can't always like put joy behind. Um, How have you like changed approaching those things? Uh, I honestly do think I have a very different view on this than a lot of people. Um, I'm very much not the type of like, you just got to do it. You know, you just got to push through because I'm like, why? Like, why do I need to be productive all the time? Who is this benefiting for me to like burn myself out, you know? And so I've kind of almost, instead of finding... Let me say this. So when I first got diagnosed, I thought, this is great. I'm going to get on medication and I'm going to be like, just like I've always wanted to be. I'm going to do all the wellness. I'm going to wake up at 530. I'm going to journal every single day. I'm going to have this perfectly perfect productive routine. I'm finally going to be able to do the things, you know? And um, spoiler alert, that has not happened. (laughs) But what I really kind of realized is it's more about fitting what works for me. And for me, I think I'm a much less structured person than most people. Like I am not a creature of habit. I like to call myself a creature of novelty. Like my no two mornings look the same, but I'm still getting the stuff done that I need to get done. I've kind of learned to loosen up on myself almost, which I feel like is not the answer that most people have, you know, and it wasn't the answer I was expecting at all to come from this diagnosis. Um, So that's been a really interesting. I think learning to let go and be less controlling, especially if for someone like you, if if your definition of wellness is to experience the most joy, like learning to let go and not putting pressure on yourself is going to create more joy. And that's why when I saw your TikTok about like wellness for hobby versus wellness for function, it like clicked something in my brain. I was like, I can just let go. Like as long as I'm doing most of the things, like that's okay. I don't need to bully myself for not waking up early enough to make the elixir. Like it's totally fine that I just had a glass of plain water. I don't need everything else. Like 
And so this last week, I found myself not only taking part in like joyful activities more, but like beating myself up less for not doing the things that I thought were, you know, (laughs) how to be healthy. Like I've taken part in much more play and joy in this just this one week. And I was like, wow, maybe it's because I'm loosening up a little, but that's really, I don't know. It's really someone who has wellness as a hobby. I think it's hard to, to loosen up. Also, I just like have a lot of anxieties. That's also hard for me to loosen up in general. I wanted, how can we define these buckets? Like, how do you, you know, track if you're doing these things? Cause I'm like, okay, loosen up, but I struggle with like one or the other. I'm like, loosen up and then I'll do like maybe nothing and then I'll go too far in that end. And then I'm like, okay, let's, let's gear up and tighten up a bit. And then I'm too rigid. So it's hard for me to find that middle ground. How do you make sure you're like keeping track? If, how do you manage the whole letting go, but still not falling off the rails? Like, do you have any system in place to make sure you're like checking off those core six in a week, in a month? Like what is your kind of, you know, schedule or routine in that way? Kind of. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I mean, I used to love a habit tracker, um, but again, I kind of go in and out of things. A habit tracker can be nice though. If you do feel like you're like, am I even hitting this stuff? I'm kind of forgetting things, you know, but I, how I also like to do it is if you're just kind of starting out, which it sounds like you're already pretty established in your wellness routine, especially if you're like a wellness hobbyist, but for people who are listening and they're like, okay, I don't do like any of that. I don't really focus on any of that. Like, where do I begin? That's still like six pretty big things to change or incorporate in your life. How I kind of do it is I focus on one habit a month. So when I was kind of starting out, I played with one month and just focusing on joyful movement. Right. And then the next month, just focusing on um, nutrition, balanced nutrition and, you know, so on and so forth. And now that I've kind of got them all down at the beginning of each month, what I do is I kind of decide, I think about what's one that's kind of fallen off that maybe I'm not doing great at. I've noticed like this area is, has kind of been abandoned, you know, like that, cause that happens, you know, and I kind of refocus in on that. And what I do within the month is I sort of like tweak the habit without judgment. So instead of saying I'm focusing on like, so June, I did hydration. So instead of being like, I need to drink like 12 of these giant things every single day, otherwise I've failed, you know, it's not, I don't do it that way. I will set little mini goals for myself and then I'll figure out if I do quote unquote fail and say, I want to drink a hundred ounces of water a day. Um, I will, uh, look at that and say, why didn't I drink a hundred ounces a day? So instead of being like judging myself and harsh on myself, I'll ask myself. And then I have an opportunity to learn from that situation. And what I learned was I like this past month when I had kind of fallen off hydration and I realized like, I just need to bring back a lot of the fun flavors. And like, I kind of just abandoned that, you know? And since then I, and like, I kind of have been playing with my soda stream again and putting, you know, fruit and herbs and just all kinds of shit in my water. Um, even like crystal light, I'm a big fan of crystal light and like the little, any of those little flavor packets and sparkling waters and all that kind of stuff, even, you know, Gatorade and whatever. I'm not like super strict about what I eat or drink or, you know, I think it's everything in moderation. But since then, like, I really haven't had to think about hydration again, you know, and then I can kind of refocus on another habit that maybe has taken the back burner. And I kind of 
do it that way. Um, so I, I don't, I don't like, it's nice for forming habits in that way, but once you get a nice routine going, um, and you feel like you feel like you've got them like a good baseline, then you can kind of just have one main focus a month. And it's like, once you've stacked up all those habits, they're pretty much going on their own, Mm -hmm. you know, especially if they're things that you enjoy. Like I look forward to on Monday being like, Oh my gosh, what movement am I going to do this week? What am I going to do for class pass? You know? And I found for me, I don't need as much strict structure as much like, you know, I love notion, but like, I used to think it has to be, everything has to be perfect and everything has to be checked off the habit tracker. Some people are like that. And that's the key is figuring out what does work for you. You know, it's like, if you do feel like you need something that's more structured, then it's just about what works for you. Do you have any sort of like note taking that you do? Like, do you write anything down at the beginning of the month? Do you like set intentions? Like, I love the idea of doing it monthly because 30 days is attainable, but it's also not too short of a time that like, like if you just do it weekly, then one, I won't do it. And two, it you have so many less days to fuck up and fix it. And in 30 days, it's like, if you get 24 of those days, like that's good. And that still means six missed days, but it's like, I don't know. I love the monthly thing. So do you do any like documentation or writing down or taking notes of like what worked and what didn't, or is it all kind of in your brain? I do. I actually, I'm going to grab the little paper that I have. Yeah. I've actually never showed or told anyone this besides like clients, but I feel like it would be helpful. So yeah, I have a little, it's kind of funny because I call it the one small step method. Um, cause it's like one step a month, but it's actually four steps. And I do have like a little, little notes that you kind of write. So the first step is to strat like to decide basically decide what habit you're focusing on and kind of think about your why, right? Like how is this, um, how's this habit going to benefit the greater good of my life, right? How is this contributing to the bigger vision of my life? Because that's something else I realized is like, sometimes we're doing things just because we think we should, and they're not benefiting our life in any way. And we can do something that's much more enjoyable. So Like I used to force myself to run because I was bad at running. Why? That has nothing. Like I don't want to be a track star. Like what does that matter? You know? And so when you're writing this stuff down in the beginning and you realize like, I don't fucking care about running, let me do something else, you know? So you first decide and then you kind of strategize and you make a a plan, a tentative plan, right? Of being like, okay, how am I going to do this habit? Um, Let's stick with movement for this example. How am I going to how am I going to do this movement? I don't want to run, but let's just keep it general movement. Well, uh well like what would I enjoy doing? And maybe make yourself out a little list of of like a menu that you can choose from. Um I'm going to dance and maybe go on I love class pass. Like go on some classes from class pass and um, you know, give yourself some options. And then, then each week I take like two minutes to what I call edit. And what that is, is all I do is I reflect on the week and it's literally the tiniest little boxes on the paper that you edit and you just will write down what your goal was. Like, you know, I planned on moving my body four times this week. Did you hit the goal? Um, if you didn't, what did you learn about yourself? Right? So it's really easy in hindsight when it was really recent. So this past week you can say, oh, well, every time I got home from work, 
I planned on exercising, but then I couldn't find my AirPods and then I couldn't find my shoes and the couch was right there. And so I just sat down and I didn't do it, even though I kind of wanted to, but it was just overwhelming. And so then you have an opportunity that week to say, well, I hardly did it because I wasn't prepared. The next week you can get a little bit more prepared and say, I'm going to set all this stuff in one area. And this is why a month, people are like, a month is too long. And I'm like, a month is perfect to me because by the end of a month, I'm like, all right, I'm good to go with this habit. I've learned, Mm -hmm. I've edited and tweaked little things. And now I feel good about this habit again. And now I can move on, you know? And this is kind of the system I use to start any new habit. Like I've done this with journaling. I've done this with meditation, um, hydration, all the wellness things, but also work habits. Like getting up to my desk in the morning was really difficult. And I used this one small step method to do it. And then I always set a little reward. Um, And I'm a person who likes to reward my efforts. So it's like, I'm going to get the reward whether or not I achieved the like goal Um, some people like to reward their outcome. So like, they're like, no, I have to hit this number of days. Otherwise I don't get the reward. I'm like, I'm like, no, I'm gonna get the reward. (laughs) So I know people have feelings about that. I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm a, every kid gets a trophy type person, Mm -hmm. like whatever. (laughs) You know, that's so funny. No, one of our, (laughs) one of our things for our podcast is a little treat. We just do yes. ourselves and that's we fine. Love little like, treats. What's wrong with like, why does everybody want to punish themselves for just like being a human on earth? Like, can we chill and have fun? I know. Jordan posted a TikTok and she was like, I'm a big, I think the secret to your twenties is just getting, getting a little treat. You have to go to the dentist, get a treat. And someone commented and was like, his name also, <laughs> his TikTok name was Positive Will. Positive oh, Will commented and said, this is the most stupid thing I have ever heard. And it's like, okay, first of all, the science of building habits says treating yourself is actually good. First of all, you're wrong, Positive Will. And second of all, you're really negative. You're positive very negative will. for being Positive Will. change your name. Like, people on TikTok, I swear, I'm like, y'all, like, I cannot please you. So I give up. I give they are so angry on TikTok. So angry. It's a little treat though. I agree. I think that is definitely the key to your 20s. And now that I'm in my 30s, also your 30s. Yeah. <laughs> a little a little treat. You know, the whole thing. It's uh, so key. Something I want to touch on too is phones and ADHD because I've heard a lot of science behind excessive time on your phone or social media. Like it gives you so much dopamine. So even people that might not have ADHD, it can cause ADHD like symptoms by going on your phone all the time. Or maybe we're just seeing an increase in ADHD in general because you have a constant dopamine stream on your phone all the time. Like people can't even like struggle to even watch a movie without also being on their phone. It's not simulating enough anymore. And so do you have any sort of like phone routine or like, I, you know, I go on my phone for an hour to do TikTok a day. And like, that's kind of where I limit it. Or like, what does your phone routine kind of look like throughout the day? Mm, This is so such a good question because I was like low-key addicted to my phone for a while. I like TikTok. I just, it was the first thing I wanted to go to, you know, and like Mm -hmm. attention span. And speaking of people like on TikTok, like being negative, I feel like so many people are like, your videos are too long. I'm like, it's one minute. (laughs) It's one minute. Scroll away. You don't have to tell me that. But that's a story for another day. (laughs) Um, But I, so I was really struggling with that. 
And I tried going the route of, especially working at home for myself, it's so easy to sit down at, like while I'm eating and start scrolling and be like, well, I've been sitting here for two hours scrolling my phone in the middle of the day. I had tried to set limits and was quickly reminded for myself that doesn't really work. Um, what has worked for me was actually finding something to replace it with. Um, it's something else that gives me dopamine that is also, I do feel like TikTok can be depleting mentally, which um, sometimes it is what I want to do for, like I was talking about guilt-free rest, but most of the time it's not actually restful. So um, I did a month where I focused on, back on guilt-free rest. This was a few months back. And I really wanted to focus on not being on my phone so much during my rest time because it's not truly restful. Uh, and I actually started getting back into the thing that finally helped was getting back into reading. When I was uh, like a kid, I would just absorb so many books. I would read so many fiction books. And I've kind of gotten in that habit also trying to always be productive of only reading nonfiction or, um, you know, feeling like also feeling like I had to finish one book before I started another book. Um, that's not how I operate. And at like kind of playing with that throughout the month, I've almost, I still go on TikTok, but I much more grab for a book than I do TikTok. And that has, I find that replacing with something else instead of just focusing on taking something away, find something else that is going play. And you have to play with it sometimes too and figure it out. Because I was trying like, painting and arts and crafts and I was like this is fucking boring like I don't want to do this you know <laughs> so it's, it takes experimentation sometimes which is why spending a month on it and figuring it out and playing with it and not being judgmental because in the past I would have been just been like judgmental towards myself for not going on my phone and I just would have kept trying a losing strategy like just don't go on your phone again well I did it again you know I suck mm -hmm. next day this time I'm not going to do it. And then like, I do it again. I suck, you know? And it's like, when you're nice to yourself, you have a lot more brain space to get creative with the solutions. And so replacing it with reading novels again, I have been reading like crazy. I love what you said about like it being a fiction versus nonfiction book. <laughs> I had to think about it. Um, but I've been feeling that. And I've actually, I have Audible. And then I listen to my nonfiction books like my sciencey books and then I read my actual fiction books because one of the things I wanted to do this year was get through a lot of books but also like enjoy it and build the habit of reading again and it wasn't working with my self-help books like even though I loved the information I was getting it wasn't like addicting it didn't make me want to reach my book I had to keep reminding myself like oh I need to read that book so now I'm like, oh, I just put on my book and my commute, like the boring book that I want the information from, but like, I don't want to read. And I've been enjoying all these playful books. So I love that. I think that's a great tip. Um, I do want to talk about, so a few episodes ago, we had on one of our friends, Jackie, who just went to an inpatient treatment center for OCD. And one of the things that she talked about that she learned about in her treatment was that sometimes there are things you have to do that you don't like that you have to do because it is working towards something that is a value of yours. Um, so I'm curious, and I think she called it like value-based living. So you kind of touched on this, but I'm interested in like, when there is something that you do, like you were talking about how there's things that you're working towards something bigger. 
if, how do you handle the like small things that are boring? Like you have a business. It's like, I'm sure that was a lot of like paperwork and organizing. Like, how do you handle tackling those tasks that you know are working towards something you really want? And the end result is going to be great, but it's further away. And you can't like immediately get that satisfaction that you could get from other things. Like, how do you approach that? Yeah, that is such a great question because yeah, there are some things that we can't just be, we can't just be like, oh, I don't like doing that. So I'm not going to do it. Right. <laughs> um, and I, I love that. I'm totally going to listen to that episode on values-based living. Cause I also think it's really important to know what your values are too, because then it kind of guides where you're going overall. Um, but how I've kind of handled this. So when I was first diagnosed, I went into hyper-focus of understanding kind of what motivates the ADHD brain versus what motivates a neurotypical brain. And a lot of times an ADHD brain just needs a little bit more, you know, like it won't be able to, the neurotypical brain, like anybody who's listening to this who doesn't have ADHD, all of these things can also benefit people who don't have ADHD, um, but people with ADHD might just need to do this. So it's almost kind of like you were saying the little treat, right? It's finding <laughs> ways to almost give your brain a little treat while you are doing something. So mm -hmm. um, like, for example, like I said, I used to have the hardest time. So my office is upstairs in my house. And I just had the hardest time because I don't like sitting at my desk and doing stuff. I like this because I'm like talking to people, but sitting down doing the paperwork, doing the like confusing, like backend website stuff. That's like, I avoid it at all costs. <laughs> and I was like, I got to find a way to make myself get up here, you know, mm -hmm. and force and discipline will only get you so far if you have ADHD or not. I, I think I truly believe like, like, I don't know. It's really hard to form a habit that is, feels like a constant uphill battle. Um, so what I realized in my research is that there are five things that motivate the ADHD brain. And I try to incorporate those five things into activities like that. So the five things are play interest. So like play things that are considered play, that's a whole other topic to go down, but interest, anything that we are particularly personally interested in, not things that we want to be interested in, like the self-help books, but things that we're like actually interested in, you know, like, like, I, like for me, I'm always like, I'm, I am interested in shopping and like buying stuff. And I never want to admit that, but it's true. You know? <laughs> um, the next one is novelty. A lot of people with ADHD like switching things up, even if it's just um, the desk example, moving my desk around, like I move my desk around like more than probably anybody I know. Like I just am constantly, it just being in a different location gives me that novelty to want to be at my desk. Um, competition and challenge. And the last one is urgency. So finding ways and like th to incorporate those things will give your brain that, that dopamine production that it's kind of like a neurotypical person that might just be able to say, I'm going to go up to my desk and do this thing. Um, if you have trouble doing that, if you try incorporating some of those things, you'll find that like eventually you have created a situation that you kind of associate like coming up like so I used to um, when I was starting this, I started drinking my coffee like as I walked upstairs. So I associated drinking my coffee with coming upstairs. And the funny thing about doing things this way and kind of playing with it over time is eventually I yeah. like doing that thing now. Yeah, you skipped for a second, but you're back. Yeah. Oh. 
Okay. Okay. Uh, like it'll be like, it'll be like, okay, eventually I realize I like doing this thing now somewhere along the way. I, if you can kind of get yourself to do the thing enough sometimes and you're making it as enjoyable as possible, giving yourself little treats along the way, um, it can kind of, it can just help form the habit. And once you've like done it enough times, you, some things you'll be surprised that you do end up enjoying. Like I used to freaking hate exercise and I can't believe like I'm one of those annoying people now that genuinely enjoys it, you know? Mm. And I'm like, I hate saying that because like, <laughs> like, oh my God, okay, whatever. But it's true, you know? And I'm like, wow, I never thought I would be that person. <laughs> when I heard you mentioned class pass and I've heard mm-hmm. novelty with working out is a really great way for people with ADHD to build fitness routines because like switching it up helps. And I feel that same way too. I'll kind of like hyperfixate on one sort of workout for a month and then like move on to the next sort of workout and like, but I love your bucketing thing because as long as I'm moving, like that's what matters. If you think about it, like before you thought about it that way, like what I used to do is like, okay, yeah, I'd be very into pure bar or whatever on. But then as soon as I fall off and I'm like, I'm no longer interested, I'm kind of bored of it. Then I would just beat myself up and be mean to myself about it. Well, I could just switch to something that sounds interesting. Like it can be that easy. I can be like, actually aerial silk sounds fun and let me do that and what I actually do is I kind of rotate between things I'll get obsessed with Pilates and then I'll get bored of it and then I'll get obsessed with pure bar and then I'll get bored of it and then I'll get obsessed with hot yoga and I go through these like obsessive phases Mm -hmm. and I just rotate through them and it's like whatever why is that you know it works for me Mm-hmm. Also, working out doesn't need to be so like strict. It doesn't need to be lifting weights in the gym. It, it totally can be something fun. Like I did a heels class because I one of my goals was to bring in more play. And so I did a heels dance class yesterday oh, or on fun. Wednesday. It was so fun, but it was so hard. <laughs> I gave myself whiplash. My neck hurt so bad. My body is more sore than it's ever been. Like, And I just did a triathlon a few months ago <laughs> and I feel worse from this dance class. <laughs> So, you know, like a playful, fun hour and a half dance class, like can kick my ass maybe more than lifting does, you know, and it doesn't even matter which one kicks my ass more. Like I'm just moving and like having fun doing it. And when you're having fun, you're going to want to do it more. And then it's like, you're going to keep coming back to it and become that person who enjoys working out or that person who needs it to calm down after work. Like I have just now started to become that person. Like I need to go work out and like let off the steam. Like I'm, now that I'm enjoying working out and it's not like a punishing thing for me, I've come to learn that it is a major stress reliever. Like I do just, if I have any stress, I'm going to feel better afterwards. And like, that is a fact. I want to talk about play. You posted about, you're reading this book about play, the different types of like, like play archetypes. And I want to know what are the play archetypes and then how do we start doing more play when you're working nine to five and like have a corporate job? Like, how do you do that? I was going to say something real quick before we move on to play, just because it made me think of this, but you had talked about values-based living. That's another thing too, is like, when you think about, um, sorry, I'm backtracking, but I was like, I want to say this before we move on. If you think about what your values are and what the end outcome is, right? So like, if you're trying to be a bodybuilder, then yeah, you'll probably have to do the same exercises every day. But if you're just doing it to unwind after work, then you can kind of realize, oh, it can be whatever I want. It can be a heel stance, which sounds freaking so much fun, (laughs) but (laughs) <laughs> I, I'm so excited to listen to that values-based living episode genuinely, because I think that ties into this conversation a lot. Um, okay, so play. I actually found this book 
um, a new book called Play DHD, and I can't wait to read that, but that's a different one. Um, But yeah, so the different types of play, I'm trying to remember them. There's like eight or nine. And what I liked about it was when I thought about play, I, my vision of it was so limited, right? I can't remember the archetypes. I can grab the book and look in a second, but the main idea of play, and as long as this quality is present, then it it counts as play. And it's the idea that you are (laughs) not doing this thing for the outcome. You are doing this activity purely for the enjoyment of the moment. Like if you watch kids on the playground, they're not doing like, they're not like having this purpose and this outcome of, you know, the reason that they're playing house or pretending to make pies in the sandbox or whatever the heck they're doing. They're just doing it because it's fun and you, they lose track of time and whatever is play for you is some the thing that causes you to feel that way. Um, and it's interesting because once we become adults, we hardly ever do anything that doesn't have an outcome. And that was my struggle before I started incorporating play was I felt like every moment had to be productive. Um, but obviously that's not possible as a hu- being a human, you know, and not a robot. So what I would end up falling into was just like things that were like, um, almost distracting me, right? Like TikTok or whatever, because it was just like, I didn't want to think about the fact that I wasn't being productive. But when you actually allow yourself that time to be like, this is purposely unproductive time, um, it's it's so beneficial for us. I mean, we need that time to kind of unwind and enjoy and create. Uh, but the different types are, I'm going to try to remember them. There's, honestly, I can't remember them at all. They're like all on my TikTok, but <laughs> I know no, there's really fine. <laughs> there's like one that's about creating different things. So whether that's art, music, um, a garden, uh, it could be all types of things. Um, there's one that is storytelling and that's people who like reading and getting lost in a story, but also telling stories in certain ways. Um, there's... I'm like totally blanking on the other ones, but like I said, they're all on my TikTok and they're in the book play. It's just called play. So who is it it by? Cause I saw the book flash on TikTok. I was like, I have to buy that book. Like that's (laughs) my whole goal for the second half of the year is to like be more playful. And I want to read that book, but I couldn't figure out who it was by. It's by Stuart Brown. And he like dedicated his entire life's work to researching play and understanding play and it is one of those books that is kind of like the self-helpy can be boring there's a lot of the science behind you know why play is important um but if you just kind of skip to the part that has all the different archetypes the different play personalities i found that useful because it opened my eyes to what i like to do for play one oh i remember one is the explorer and that's like one of my number one archetypes. If I'm walking, and I never thought of this as play before, but if I go to a new town or an area of town I've never been to, and I'm just like exploring a street I've never been on and walking into a random coffee shop and walking into a bookstore or walking into a thrift store and just kind of sift, just exploring new areas is such a form of play for me. I like forget everything else. I forget time. And it's just about finding those things that for you make you feel that way, you know? Mm -hmm. I think I 
love this theory or like philosophy. Um, and it was really interesting, like scrolling through your TikTok and seeing all of the options of things that counted as play. And I also think this is something that like we, we kind of, or I, and I feel like a lot of people like grow out of it, but they do the opposite where I have activities that I do right now. And I was literally just thinking this as you were talking that I ruin the fun of it by wanting a certain outcome. And like Autumn and I just talked on our last episode about how we like are both doing things for fun. Like she's ice skating and I'm horseback riding. And like, they're literally hobbies that we picked up because we wanted to add more fun into our lives. But both of us get too hard on ourselves because we're like, why aren't we doing as well as we want to be? And like, I think that literally sucks the fun out of it. (laughs) I was just thinking that and I was like, oh my God, you just like defined the issue with like, Sometimes you just need to enjoy the activity and like the moment that you're in instead of being so worried about the outcome. So I think that's so fascinating. Yeah, yeah. And that is so true. And that's what I was doing before as well. It's like, oh my God, I'm not doing this good enough. And it's like, there can be, we are in a very competitive society. I feel like, you know, just growing up in school and everything you're doing is for a grade and you're always, so we grew up learning that. So it takes some time to unlearn that. And I still definitely will find myself in that cycle of being like, you know, trying to do it perfectly. And then it's, yeah, it sucks the fun out of it. (laughs) And it's just like coming back to the intention to like, oh yeah, everything I do doesn't have to be productive or to get better in some way. You know, it's like, who said we have to be like, you know, everything to better ourselves. Why can't we just enjoy life? (laughs) You know? And to Autumn's (laughs) point earlier, um, it's like, when you think that you have no time in the day, I love the archetypes because it shows how many activities that I do in a week that count as play. If I just start interpreting them that way. And like you were saying, exploring and like my, I mean, I guess this kind of makes sense as play, but like my boyfriend and I love playing cards and like there was a competitive archetype and I was like, Oh, that makes so much sense. And I think when you, everyone should go and look at Chelsea's TikTok in general, but also look through this series because it's so fascinating to learn all the different options of things that you're doing in your week that count as play and you're just not interpreting and allowing to be as fun as they could be. (laughs) Totally, yeah, because there's some things that if you just shift the mindset, they do become so much more enjoyable just because Mm -hmm. you're not, you know, trying to be perfect with it anymore. Yeah, they say couples who play together stay together. So instead of like love language, you can be like, what's your play archetype? Oh my God. Yes. I'm actually going to like that. analyze this with Kai. <laughs> bring, the book, bring the book to a first date. <laughs> are our play types compatible? Because if not, I don't know if this is going to work. <laughs> I would love, I mean, this was amazing and everything we wanted to touch on. I had such an incredible time talking to you and also learned so much. I've actually been like, I mean, I said I was so excited, but I have been so excited for this conversation and I've just been like stocking up questions I wanted to ask you. So I'm so glad we had this time to chat. If you want to take a second to like pimp yourself out and say, where can people find you and yeah, how can people reach you? Yes. Thank you so much. You guys, this was so much fun. I had a blast too. And you can find me at every, everywhere you can find me. My handle is part-time wellness. So I'm on Instagram. I'm on TikTok. I have YouTube channel, which I haven't posted a whole lot, but I'm going to start. Um, I have a podcast and yeah, that's it. Or you can just find me at my website, parttimewellness.com. Thank you guys so much for having me. This was such a fun conversation. Yeah. Thank you. This has been so fun.